Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm going to be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple podcast as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. I'm Pat Nevin. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another preseason episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, Brandon, joined by Dan this time, but Dan, we actually have a special guest because uh, you're the the brain power behind this preseason series of these uh, kind of rival previews with other teams uh, that are relevant in the Premier League. Um, so what do we have today? Well, we're going to be talking about the Manchester question mark Messi's potentially or the Manchester City squad. Last season, we had uh, David Moody join us, who's the creator of the Blue Moon podcast, but now is also uh, running the Athletics Why Always Us, their city podcast. David, happy to have you back. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm glad I can bore some more people about City. <laughs> <laughs> some new people, even. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, you know, so the way that this series is working is we kind of take a look back at what happened in the last season, highs and lows. We kind of look at what are the significant incomings and outgoings on the other side. So on the city side, get a little bit of uh, David's city perspective about what's going on at Chelsea, make some season predictions and get you out of here ready to know just a tad more because sometimes we live in that Chelsea bubble and we don't always know what exactly is going on. I think first, though, David, as you just kind of talk about Manchester City, maybe before we talk about last season, I think the big thing on everyone's mind is more about what happens with, with Messi, with the <laughs> Barcelona connection, with Pep Guardiola. Obviously, you are dialed in directly. I'm sure you're the least second point of contact for Messi. But, <laughs> you know, so... 
really just looking for your perspective there on a i mean is kent city actually do it and pull it off and, and do you think it happens this this is the thing uh, that there is the potential for this to be out of date very very quickly uh because <laughs> like the story has been updating itself like on almost like minute by minute basis um i think uh, in a roundabout view i think city i, I think if, if any team is going to do it i think city can um, I think they they have the financial resources to do it first and foremost. There's a lot of teams that aren't blessed with that, um, and they've got the link to Messi with Guardiola, with Bergerstein, with Soriano. Um, there's there's a whole world of politics at play though with 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 City and Barcelona and uh, and with Guardiola as well, because I think Guardiola and City and and the guys at City are keen not to be the bad guys in this because they're as it stands you know they're they're looked upon favourably among Barcelona fans and and, and the people there, um, so they they don't want to be the people that took Messi from Barcelona. Uh, they're they're quite happy to be the people that that you know Messi was available and, and say well what were we going to do not sign him sort of thing yeah. um, but but they they don't want to be the ones that are seen to be upsetting the apple cart um, Messi equally I you know I he he's not going to be the in the position where he wants to be the one that's seen to be forcing the move although that seems to be kind of where it is at the minute uh, and Bartomeu does not want to be the one that that has sold Messi um because it just doesn't it it doesn't look good all, all around so there's this whole power play that's going on at the moment between all these all these sorts of sides and then if it does happen, um, then you, you're kind of looking into the politics of Bartomeu saying, well, he was going to go anyway, so I've got $150 million for him, or you know, I've managed to get the, the release clause of $700 million, whatever it turns out to be. Um, City are going to be happy to pay a couple of hundred million, I'm sure. I'm sure they've worked it into the budget to, to, for the summer to, to, to be able to spend $150 million on Messi, uh, if he becomes available, that is. Um, and then you know, but again, if he's if he's there as a free, then like it, it would be absolutely ludicrous for City not to go out and uh, and do it. And so it just it all becomes about who wants to save the most face in the end. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know how it's going to play out. My my gut instinct at the moment, um, and I'm wary of this because it like it doesn't always serve me well. My gut instinct is actually that City, that that Barcelona, um, Messi will be a Barcelona, uh, City player next season. Um, that is, it's almost dreamland for for City fans. That, and that's why I'm kind of being quite cautious about it because you you don't want to you don't want to open yourself up to that egg on the face moment where you go, oh yeah, I'm dreaming that Messi's going to be a City player next season, and then all of a sudden he's signing a, a contract extension at Barcelona or, or whatever. Um, so my, my gut is that he, he that the transfer will happen. Um, my gut is that City will pay something in the region of 150 million euros for it to happen. Um, and I think everybody will be able to come away from it saving some sort of face. Um, but equally, I, I would not be hugely surprised if it if it all falls apart and Messi remains a Barcelona player for what is ultimately the final year of his contract right now. Well, Brandon, it sounds like, uh, just on David's word alone, again, second contact to Messi's phone, probably <laughs> happening. We'll see him in City Blue next season. He's, he's and... in my spare room as we speak. <laughs> Just just swatting up on the Manchester area. <laughs> oh, you got to take him through, show him all the local <laughs> spots where he needs to go, best places for dinner. Uh, Brandon, you're kind of taking maybe a, a look at, you know, just the City squad and kind of like you know, what, how we thought about City, you know, last season, obviously second place finish. Uh, everybody was uh, kind of a couple miles behind the Liverpool, at least in the league. Uh, how did you feel, Brandon, about City's season last year? 
I mean, I, I don't know. Like it's it's like from me looking, it's probably like a disappointment for them compared to where they're at the season and seasons before that. Um, it just seemed like all of a sudden we saw a little bit of um, fallibility or some vulnerability from City that we hadn't normally seen. But they also dealt with massive injuries all season, um, which, you know, it was well documented. Obviously, biggest one was Fernand, Fernandinho playing in the back line as, a, as an older holding midfielder. Um, but then you guys know me as a goalkeeper. I just felt like Ederson wasn't on it all season as well. I still think he's highly rated. I think he's going to be phenomenal. But it just the concentration wasn't there. So I don't know if there were some distractions um, or, or what, but they still had a good run in the, in the Champions League. So it, it was just not what we expected out of City. Maybe it's a little bit of burnout. Maybe some of these guys got too comfortable winning too much and they let it slip. We've seen that at Chelsea. You know, we won the league with Jose Mourinho, then Aiden Hazard and Diego Costa come back extremely overweight, not motivated, not ready to go. And, and it falls apart. So I'm also very empathetic to that, as these players probably didn't think they needed to work as hard as what Pep was telling them. So, um, yeah, that's kind of my outsider's view. David, does that track? It was the season a little bit of a disappointment from a, a city side, given how consistent, how, how machine-like the operation had been? Yeah, it's it's a weird one because um, it's hard it's hard to throw too much criticism towards the, the squad and the and the management given what they'd done in the two seasons before that um but there is there is something in that i think first first and foremost the the fact that they were the first team to defend the league in a decade uh in mm-hmm. uh, in 1819 um in a weird way i actually think that was had a bigger knock on effect than we all re- than we all thought it would have uh, last summer um largely because i mean i First off, Liverpool had pushed City so much in the in the back end of that season, where it became a point where from March onwards, I don't think either side dropped a point, and it was you know they finished on ninety eight and ninety seven points, um, and like the reaction after that was well, surely Liverpool are going to be absolutely crushed after having gone after after having done had such a good season and not won the league. Uh, when it turns out, actually, the opposite was true in that it kind of almost motivated them to go on and, and just become this winning machine. While City were, were just City looked like they'd had two seasons of having to perform at the top level every game for two seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do think there's a little bit of that in there. I, I agree on the on the kind of defensive errors as well. The, the Laporte's injury was a big one. Um, I think I don't think they expected to lose Vincent Company last summer either, um, and in not replacing him and assuming that Fernandinho could take up that fourth kind of centre back role, um, it, it put undue weight on on Laporte having to remain fit throughout the rest of the season, and he obviously didn't do that. Um, Otamendi and Stones did not work well together when they were paired up together. I still have a lot of faith in John Stones. I know a lot of City fans don't particularly. Um, I've got absolutely no faith in Otamendi whatsoever. He's somehow, um, he's, he's managed to have, he, he's had one good season in five years at City, but it came at the exact wrong time for everybody because it came in his third year. So it earned him a new contract and it just hasn't worked out for him since. Um, so I'm not a fan of, not a fan of his. So they, they just looked to the bare bones at the, at the back and David Silva being a year older, the pressing at the front wasn't quite the same. 
And all these little factors built up to the fact that uh, built up to one thing, and that was that City were a little bit more vulnerable. Edison, as as, as Brandon has said, didn't have a good season. I don't think either. Um, that it, it kind of set the tone with I think it's the second game where uh, he, he, the first Spurs equaliser just just it, it was a comfortable shot that he should have saved, um, and it, it just snuck in. And from there on in, he's, he made a few of those. Um, and it was it was a combination. It was it was a really weird season for City because they they finished the, as the as the Premier League's top scorers, but they didn't score enough goals at the crucial times. And mm. they they ended up with the goalkeeper that kept that won the Golden Glove, but they didn't keep enough clean sheets when they really needed to. So it, it, just a, a disaster of of at two ends of the pitch in what four, five, six games, and it's enough for for them to be so far off the pace it, it's untrue and I, I actually think next season they don't they don't they probably don't need to do a lot to the squad to get back nearer to the level that we'd seen in the two seasons before last season well let's take a look at that because there are have already been uh, pre-messy some arrivals that might help in some areas of the pitch I think the biggest one so far is uh, Nathan Ake coming from now relegated Bournemouth which we are excited about because we were we're done giving four to six points away to a lower table <laughs> side. We're very happy to see them uh, outside the Premier League at this point in time. But Nathan Ake comes in. Uh, you've also gotten uh, Fernand Torres, kind of right winger. A few young players have come in as well, too. How, how are you feeling about the business so far in terms of the, the two larger signings? Um, I want a left back. That's that, that is. It's been City's problem for the last two years. They got in the in the season. They got 100 points. They they did it with Fabian Delph playing left back for most of the season. They got away with it. Um, the season where they got 98 points and picked Liverpool to the title. Mendy was was unfit for most of it, and they got away with it with uh, Zinchenko playing left back. Um, last season they did not get away with not having a left back. They were they were caught out too many times. Um, you can't you can't go into the fourth season running under Guardiola without having signed a left back and going. Well, Mendy and Zinchenko have done a job there previously. Listen, Mendy's a great player. Um, mm. He's just he's he's been crippled by injuries, and I don't think you can rely on him to remain fit throughout the season. When he's fit, great, yeah, he's there, brilliant, but it's not enough for the team. So I'd like a left back. I think Nathan Ake is is the biggest improvement in the squad. Um, I just think they've they've needed someone who is assured on the ball, who can play out from the back with a bit of confidence. John Stones can do that, but he hasn't got confidence at the minute. So he, he, he they need somebody who's 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 feeling good about the play. Um, and I think I think from what I've seen of, of Nathan Ake in the past, I think he's I think he's a great signing. Um, Obviously, you guys uh, are happy for him not to be scoring against Chelsea at the bridge every week. Because I always seem to think I, that he, that he seems to go back and, and always haunt Chelsea. Um, Bournemouth have never really caused City any problems. In fact, off the top of my head, I don't think Bournemouth have ever beaten City in their history. So I think I, I think we're sad to see them go um, rather rather than the other way around. Oh uh, yeah, we uh, Brandon, we're we're definitely ready for uh, no no more Bournemouth highlights. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> and, you know, I think there there are also a few departures that you know kind of were interesting too, right? Yeah, I mean, obviously losing David Silva, um, I I'm not going to call him a club legend because that's not my club to to say that for. But I would say that he is as far as like a Premier League. Uh, great, all-time great, uh, what he's done, especially seeing that he was 
small, slight, and uh, <laughs> creative player in the Premier League. That's kind of unheard of. You know, that like doesn't fit the mold for him to be as successful as he was for so long. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, there's there's something about him. He I like if you if you name three qualities that you want in an attacking midfielder, you would say that you wanted him to be both footed, be able to shoot from range. And yeah, you know, just have a bit of pace about them. They could, they could move about the, the, the front mm-hmm. end of the pitch uh, with, with a bit of speed. Silva had no pace. He was entirely left-footed, and <laughs> like I've, I've seen him pass from inside the six-yard box because he didn't fancy it. And yet somehow he's managed to to, to become great. And he, he is he's a city legend. There's there's uh, quite rightly the discussion about whether he's City's greatest ever player. Um, you'll get people disagreeing and saying it's Colin Bell. I never saw Colin Bell play. I have to say it's David Silva. So um, you're absolutely right in whether he's a le- if he's if he's not a Premier League legend, which I think he is. But if if he's not, he's certainly a City legend. Well, yeah. So losing him is a help to us. Uh, the rest of the league, obviously. Leroy Sané, I thought it was interesting. Uh, just the way it fell apart, I think you usually hear from Guardiola how how he loves his players, you know, takes care of them, things like that. But for whatever reason, um, two seasons, two, two and a half seasons ago, Leroy Sané was in great form, uh, lighting it up. And then, it, like I said, it just all fell apart. And maybe it's an attitude thing, not committed to training and things like that. And look, any top manager is not going to accept that, especially when the player is so talented. You're not going to let them waste it. And I'm not saying that this is like us, but with Callum Hudson-Odoi, uh, we've seen Frank kind of get on him a little bit, being like, hey, you got to step it up a little bit. And maybe that was it. Um, but your biggest loss in years is probably Claudio Bravo. I mean, if we're just being <laughs> honest. Um no, who's uh, your backup going to be? I mean, it's, you it'll be Scott Carlson. One? Yeah, it'll be Scott okay. Carlson. Um, he's he's back in on loan for another season. Uh, oh, that, there that, he is. that 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 news went under the radar. I don't I don't understand how anybody missed that as as one of the biggest signings of the of the, of the window so far. Uh, no, it'll be Scott Carlson. I think um, Claudio Bravo um, won't be that missed by City fans. Um, he, I, f- I do feel sorry for him because he. Well, I do and I don't. Um, you know, he's, he had an opportunity at City and I don't think he took it. Um, but it, it always seemed to be that the first shot on target would beat him. And he seemed to do this thing. He had two things that he, that he excelled at as, as a goalkeeper. And one of them was not using his feet. Um, so wherever he was in the goal, as soon as a striker hit a shot, he would dive from wherever he was. Even if he could, like, if he could take two paces to one side and then dive, he might have saved it. But in the end, he just <laughs> he dived from a standing start and got nowhere near it. But he also had this ability to to make it look like he'd done everything he could to, start to keep it out when actually that like there was a lot more he could have done. Yeah. So there's there's a number of number of attempted saves that he made where you watch it and in and first gut instinct for anybody who's not played in goal or not watched goalkeepers for like in depth will go, Oh, well, he's, he's got close to it. He got fingers on it. It's just unlucky there. And actually go, well, if he, if he'd taken a step before he dived, he could have caught it. You know, it's like, it, there's, there's a big difference in that. And I, I think he, uh, I, he always had a tough job replacing Joe Hart because Joe Hart, again, another club legend uh, was never going to fit into how Guardiola wants to play. Um, and and Bravo just it just did not it just didn't work for him. Um, there's a there's a group of friends that I've got that nicknamed him Onion Hands because it, it was like he was trying to keep goal with onions for hands. Um, it just it, yeah it, it it never worked. Sane is um, without question uh, the biggest loss of the summer. Um, I 
he's I'm not I'm not ashamed to say that I'm devastated that City have lost him. I think just to wrap on the Bravo, that's one of our favorite matches to go back and see as a Chelsea fan when Eden Hazard <laughs> and, and William hit on the counter. I've I've never said like uh, it's that, the that per- game. It's the perfect example of he did something, but really didn't do anything at well, all. Well, I've, I've I've never seen a goalkeeper come off his line and make the angle bigger. I, I, I how how do you do that? I just I just make any sense. You spread yourself, and still there's yeah. a bigger chunk of the goal to aim at. That doesn't yeah. make sense. Yeah, we call we're, that we're angle gonna... play in in the goalkeeper <laughs> world. But anyways, we don't need to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, we're I not promise. we're not going to throw any stones right now because goalkeeper is not a, an area of. Uh, much highlight at the moment for for Chelsea. I felt the last one, <laughs> the last uh, potential kind of incoming that we haven't spoken about is there seems to be a pretty serious link for uh, Koulibaly from Napoli to come and reinforce the back line so that you would have Nathan Ake, you would have Koulibaly, you would have Laporte. How do you feel about that kind of being the shape of the, the back line? Does that kind of sure up most of the defenses? Or are you still looking for a out-and-out look left back even if Koulibaly comes in I think even if Koulibaly comes in I want an out and out left back they've spent so long having makeshift left backs that it just I, I'm, I'm I'm sick of it I just want a left back Can, give me left you know how is there no left backs available is that the problem is that is that why City have not bought one in the last four years is we'll that, is that what Emerson. it is <laughs> uh, you're alright so I, I think uh, I think I, I wonder what, what's Fabian Delph up to these days because, yeah. um <laughs> No, it's. I think with Koulibaly, I think um, the key is is making sure that they're covered for an, another long term injury like Laporte's was last season. Mm-hmm. Um, they've they they never replaced Vincent Company, and I think that that was. I don't think the mistake was going into this season with Fernandinho as a as a makeshift centre back. I think it, I think the mistake was not bringing in a centre back as soon as Company said he was leaving. The plan was always for uh, for Fernandinho to be a a, a centre back last season, um, according to to people that were were close to Guardiola, um, and for for Rodri to come in and, and be the anchor point in midfield. So I think I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was still a similar sort of plan for next season. Um, I just think that they 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 need more more competent defenders um and that's that sounds like a real slight on Otamendi and Stones uh, and it's not because they've both they've both had spells where they've been brilliant I've just not we've just not seen enough of it in the last last kind of 18 months or so and I think it's telling certainly with Stones um look at the run-ins you know in, in, in City's 100 point season in the in the 98 point season when when the going got tough and Guardiola was picking his team for the running at the end of the season, John Stones wasn't in it each time. Um, mm. I, I yeah, at the start of those seasons, he was partnered with Laporte, and they but they looked fantastic together. I think that's that's the John Stones that City need back, and they need to be able to trust him in those situations if they can. And they've got Koulibaly in, they've got Nathan Ake in, they'll be set for next season comfortably. So switching gears a touch to maybe kind of get the perspective from someone who's looking at Chelsea from the outside who isn't in the ecosystem or the bubble of conversation every day, what's your perspective or take on, I affectionately, when we were previewing Arsenal, talked about it, it's like Frank Lampard had filmed a series pilot for what Chelsea was going to look like. <laughs> and we actually went to full production and now some of the main characters have been recast for the full series. What's your take on, on what's going on at Chelsea at the moment? 
Um, I'm I'm fascinated by it because I thought last season was an interesting window into Lampard as a manager. Um, because it was it was almost a case of go on, Frank. Here's the tools that you've got. Use them. You know, you, you're going to get nothing else. Use them. And I thought he did really well with it. There there were times that the game that struck me. Um, I, I City were not in a great patch of form at the time when when Chelsea came to the Etihad and uh, Lampard came to the Etihad, played, I think, a way that Guardiola was not expecting. Um, and City ended, City ended up winning the game, but it was a very, very tight game, and it could have, it could have gone either way uh, for, for long spells of it. Um, and I was really impressed with how Lampard managed the game in that, in that respect. He never, he, he, like, he, he knew what to attack of City's, and when that wasn't working, and when City changed, he changed to kind of react to it as well. And I thought that was a real big plus point for him. I've obviously not watched him in a lot of the other games that Chelsea played. Um, and I know there was question marks over over his ability to to outthink opposition managers at times when you know when, when it looked like he was getting outthought. Um, but equally, having having watched him play for a year at City and having watched him play for you know for those great Chelsea sides in the noughties, he I, I feel like that old debate about Gerard or Lampard for the England team, I always feel like like Lampard understood the game better than, than, than Steven Gerrard did. I always got the impression that Steven Gerrard was just somebody who could lump it really hard into the net from a long range. And if he tried it enough, it would look great and go in. He'd stick a boot in here and there and get a few good tackles in and he'd just kind of like keep keep the motor going through you know, blood and thunder sort of thing. Whereas Lampard I always felt had had a good tactical understanding of the game. And so I'm interested to see what he does now that there are new faces coming in for fairly big chunks of money at times. Um, I I do think um, it's a little bit of a shame that they've suddenly spent so much money in one go when mm-hmm. you had the likes of Mason Mount. I, mean, I think Mason Mount's a brilliant player, by the way. Um, you had those sorts of players coming through the Chelsea Academy. Um I do. I, I I don't want them to to kind of lose the way. It's the same. Listen, the same thing happened at City, and when the takeover happened, we we were we were shoving players into the first team from the academy, and they were looking good, and then getting replaced by whoever. Um, so it's not a, it's not a new story. I do I, I do want to see them players kick on as well, though. Um, and you know, it's I, I I'm interested to see how it goes because I think the right mix of those players and the new signings. And Chelsea could be quite dangerous next season. Um, I'm not necessarily going to say City Liverpool dangerous, um, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if if Chelsea were in the title race for a lot longer than people expect. Well, that uh, that is definitely reassuring to hear that, Brandon, from an outside perspective. <laughs> yeah, well, definitely. I mean, we never know, but it does feel nice to like like the the sentiment of Chelsea recently has changed. Obviously, with Frank coming in. You got slated for the transfer ban, and I think, if anything, we probably get a lot of empathy talking to a Man City <laughs> fan about <laughs> fairness and unfairness of bans. Um, you know, but to be able to, it's what a weird feeling. The media like us, like I, that's <laughs> what, because Frank's here. We're promoting youth, and like you know, we're we're like England's national team version, mini version. You know, with the amount of players getting called up, and so it's just been. A bit of a weird season, but to at least have like, like we respect City. We don't really respect United right now. Like we, there is, but like you want to respect the big teams. We respect Liverpool, even though we don't like them. So you still want to be in that bracket of like, hey, outside of a match day, we can have a conversation like this yeah. and be like, City 
I am envious of a lot of things you guys have. And then for Chelsea to be back kind of in those ranks, and especially with a, a raw, untested manager, um, the club are just splashing the cash, which has been a ton of fun. But to just, like I said, have that kind of like that mutual admiration, respect amongst top teams in England. I mean, that's where you want to be at the end of the day. That's the thing. And I, and I sincerely hope with Lampard um, that he's, and I mean this in a nice way. I, 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 I hope he, I hope he gets the chance to fail. And that is, if he does fail this season, I hope it's okay. Well, let's go again. Let's try it. Let, let's let, let's let him build again. Yeah. Um, because I do think that I, 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 I'd look back at some of the manage, managerial changes that Chelsea have made in the last few years, and um, it, it's it's felt far, far too quick. And I know this from a city, from a city point of view. We've you know. I'm not going to lie. If it's the wrong manager, you need to get them out of there. Um, you know, you look back at City in the 90s and, and we had a manager every 15 minutes and that was because we kept appointing the wrong manager in the first instance. And I had a lot of United fan friends who would say to us, have you ever, you ever thought about, about sticking with one of your managers? And you say, yeah, but it's, it's really easy to say stick with a manager when it's Alex Ferguson and he's won everything ever. It's, it's really difficult to get behind that sentiment when it's Frank Clark and Alan Ball and it's not quite working. Um so I, I I get the need for 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 not letting things get too far, um, but I think Lampard has demonstrated so far in his in his managerial career that he has the ability to to think his way out of problems and and to think up solutions. Some of them will work, some of them won't work. So I, I do hope if he if he has a season that is deemed disappointing that he's not just turfed out and somebody else is brought in, um, because I I I think that's that that's kind of the problem with 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 a lot of teams at the moment, and a lot of teams kind of keep making another managerial change, and it upsets the balance. City have been lucky in that they, the club has been built to get Guardiola in place, and so Guardiola is the safest manager in in, in the Premier League. Come what may, Guardiola could could have a terrible season next season, finish outside the top four, but if he wanted to stay and and sign a new contract, City would offer it to him. So. Like there's there's no jeopardy in that. If he if any other manager, like he said last season, if any other manager had had a season he'd had last season, they'd have probably lost the job. Um, Pellegrini, when he came in, he knew he was keeping the seat warm for Guardiola in the in, in the long run. So like there's been no there was no incentive to sack Pellegrini at any point because you bring a new manager in for a season. Other clubs haven't had that luxury, so I, I just like I say, I hope I hope Lampard gets that that sort of luxury to to be able to mould this squad. Um, because I I should hate Chelsea. I think uh, I think that, I think that's how how I'm supposed to feel about Chelsea. Uh, but I just don't, and I think that's largely down to who's in charge and and kind of like how he's playing football as well. So uh, while we still are are waiting again for for Messi to to pop out on the Zoom here and uh, you know ask <laughs> where the the fresh towels are uh, since he's staying in the extra extra spare room. <laughs> Um, we, we've brought in a fair number of players so far, uh, Timo Werner, Thiago Silva, Ben Chilwell, uh, getting very close, uh, you know, uh, Fabrizio Romano tweet away from the, the Havertz deal being officially announced. What player are you looking at, you know, just kind of from an outside in as, oh, this is going to be the player, A, I'm most interested to see in a Chelsea shirt, uh, but B, just to maybe, you know, outside of Chilwell, see in the Premier League. Yeah, I think I, it's interesting. I Thiago Silva is is I think is a great signing. Um, I've been I've been admiring him for a long time. The the one that I'm most envious of though, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but Ben Chilwell. I mean, I, it's a left back. Can we just get a left back in at City at some point? Um, but anyway, in in seriousness, I, I think I think Thiago Silva is. Um, I I just. 
I, I, I'm in awe of, of of some of the things he's done throughout his career, and I think to to see him in the Premier League, okay, he's you know he's, he's not in his prime anymore, um, but I think he's I think he's a marvelous catcher. Was he was he free Was he a free signing as well? Yeah. So I think that's I mean even like it, again with the Messi situation, what are you going to do? Not not have a go at it? You know, like that, that's, <laughs> what what's there to lose here? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, so I think I think it'd be interesting to see. Um, Timo Werner is another one who you know is, is, has has had things uh, has had good things said about him. I've not seen a lot of him, um, so I'll be interested to see see what what impact he has in the Premier League as well. All right, well we're gonna get into prediction season as we close this out. Brandon, it's your favorite part, so I'll let you go in because you are <laughs> just you're the prediction master. Yeah, yeah, right. The the MC of predictions to say the least, Dan. Um, so if we look at the season ahead, which is wildly already here, even though we just finished the last one, um, we've got a few here. So the, the, the league table position for Manchester City, um, where do you think City are going to end uh, at the end of this compact, wild season, David? Um, I, they will be in the top two. It's whether Liverpool fall apart to to the extent of which I am praying that they do. Um, so I, I'm going to I'm going to hedge my bets. Well, I'm not not not, not going to hedge my bets at all. I'm going to I'm going to hope that that happens. Uh, I'm going to say City will finish first. Uh, but again, uh, they'll they'll be in the top two. Yeah, I would agree. I, I would say second, but I don't really. I'm like leaning towards first, but I can't. It's- it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult to to go with the with convictions. It all depends on whether Liverpool's form carries on like it did post lockdown in the back half of the season. Because if it does, then I think City could could quite easily run away from them. But if it doesn't, then yeah. it's anybody's guess, isn't it? Yeah, Dan. I think right now I reserve my right to change it between now and our actual preseason predictions podcast. <laughs> but I think City probably end up winning the league even more so if if Messi comes. Uh, I think that that would be you know just. I I I love watching Messi. It's going to pay me to you know watch him in a city shirt and see him doing great things there. But it, it it's it's phenomenal for the Premier League as a as a competition as a sport. Like you, we for seasons you know for decades we've seen some of the best players not come to the Premier League, and uh, the more you can get those players into the Premier League and make it you know the destination. For any top player, that that's just going to continually improve the game. It's not. I mean, it's not inconceivable, is it? Next season, that Gareth Bale could be there as well, and then yeah. so you end up with Bale and, and Messi in the Premier League, and suddenly they're like La Liga's lost two of its biggest stars. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think right now Gareth Bale is uh, more more well known uh, for golfing rather well, for than golf. Than, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there's some rumors he's apparently open to it. We'll have to see what happens. Uh, FA Cup. How far do you think you guys are making the FA Cup? Is it going to be a priority? Uh, it's always priority because uh, Guardiola goes for every competition ever, and I think it's it, I, I think it's partly an ego thing because he can quite easily walk away from City at the end of his time and go, look at how many trophies I won, um, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So that's what he always goes strong in the League Cup. He always goes strong in the FA Cup. Um, so I think providing that City don't draw Wigan at any point, they should be all right in the F, in the uh, in the FA Cup. Um, and I would, again, it all comes down to, to how they play on the day. Um, so they could quite easily win it. They could quite easily make the semifinals, quarterfinals, could easily go out in the third round. It's it, it's a difficult one to call. Um, what I will say, City will take it seriously. So if, mm-hmm. they're, if they're in the final, it's not because they've had easy draws. It's because they've played a strong team in every round. Yeah, I can see it. And that's why I said semis too. I'm just waiting to see... 
if Champions League is going well, if the league is going well, you could see it potentially slip. Um, and so that's why I'm hedging my bet and being like, uh, at least a semifinal. Dan? I think semi makes sense uh, to all the points you said there. You know, kind of as we look ahead to like the League Cup, which has just been city's bread and butter is from a like it's like oh well we're just gonna like etch our name in in advance kind of give you some recommendations for a player of the competition and there you go have a nice day uh so i i think you you know the city will win the the league cup and uh, the fa cup will be dependent upon uh champions league well speaking of the league cup dan just tell us right away they're gonna win it again is that what you're saying yeah <laughs> It just seems uh, to be a competition that Guardiola and, and City do well in. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with just what has been the, the standard, David. Yeah, they, they've won it, I think, five in seven years. Let's make it six in eight. You know, there's, why, why, why not? There's, there's I, I, if you ask me, it's not a proper competition. It's not a proper competition unless the trophy's got three handles. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm catching up to that. I'm, I'm on to you now. <laughs> Um, and for whatever reason, the timing seems to just fit with City because usually you guys hit the gates sprinting. Everyone else is kind of growing into the season. So it's like come February, City's like, we're good. We're, we're in end of well, season form right now. Well, they, this season will be interesting because is it is it not like the four, first four rounds are all in like by the end of October have all been done. It's like we'll know the, we'll know the finalists before Christmas sort of thing. It's 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 supposed to be really early this year, so that I mean that could throw everything out the window, especially mm. if if City come in and go, we are playing full strength in this competition, and everyone else is going, God, it's still our preseason. It, like, it, it could just it could just mean City's names on the trophy for another year. I don't know. Well, I think the other one is then the Champions League. So the the elusive element there. How far is this the season that City win it, or the when you look at the whole squad, you think, ah, we're, we're still not going to make it happen. I don't know. City's squad has been good enough to win the Champions League in the last four years, and they've they've done something stupid in every season. Um, Guardiola's first season uh, against Monaco, they, they played really, really well in that first leg, and it was a, a genuinely the best ever game that I have seen. Um, it had everything. It finished 5-3, there was uh, goalkeeping errors. There was defensive errors. There was some fantastic finishes from both teams. Um, there was a yellow card for diving when Aguero was clearly fouled in the box. Uh, there was a penalty that was um, the most blatant penalty you've ever seen, given and then saved. It just it had everything in that game. Uh, and Chelsea, I, I, Chelsea hero Willie Caballero was playing in that game as well. Um, and so we, we ended up. Uh, we're going out in the in the second leg on away goals. We drew the tie 6-6. Um, and then the next season, he, he gets drawn away at Anfield, which is like kryptonite for City. City's last win at Anfield was in 2003. They do not win there. Um, and he, for, for some unknown reason, he had a brain fart and he played Gundogan on the, on the left wing, cutting inside to, to offer some defensive cover. Obviously, it offered no defensive cover whatsoever. And Liverpool won 3-0. And... Not only in that game, like in, in that game, they had a number of, of marginal calls go against them. The first goal was offside and, and wasn't given. Uh, they had a, a stonewall penalty not given uh, in front of the cop. And then they had a perfectly good goal in front of the cop disallowed for an offside that, that wasn't offside. 
And so you go, right, well, like if only there was some sort of video-assisted technology that they could have to, to help them in the Champions League. Then the next year, when they have that, they then score an equaliser in the last minute that will take them through to the next round. Um, but then we find out from the video that one of the players was marginally offside in the build-up, so it doesn't count. And it's just like everything is geared up to, to City making it hard for themselves and just falling apart at the wrong time. This year against Lyon, they... Uh, like I have no idea why they tried to do what they did and then they did and it just fell apart. So I think it's very easy to say City should win the Champions League. If they get like, even if they bring in Messi, they should win the Champions League. Um, but there's always the opportunity for for a, a 15 minute meltdown that knocks them out, and it could it could come against anybody. It doesn't have to be Liverpool. It doesn't have to be be Monaco or or, or Spurs. It could it could be Werder Bremen. It could be like could literally be anybody that just that that, that stops them from uh, from progressing. Um, so I'm always cautious of predicting that City will do well in the Champions League. I think there there is no reason why they shouldn't. Other than themselves, if they don't win it, then it's then you have to look at themselves rather than what else has happened in the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. That is fair and honest as I've ever heard it. Like that, yep, I hear you. Mm-hmm. Also shows you how damn hard it is to win that tournament, um, just because of everything else that's going on around it. And I've always yeah. said this: the Premier League season on a week-to-week schedule is much more difficult than La Liga, Serie A, and the Bundesliga. So while some of those guys can rotate and things like that like our our we had a run where we were doing champions league and man city and like liverpool all in the same run you're just like there's no rotation there's no time like we have to play our best and then you get back to the champions league and you're you know your squad's decimated with fatigue well, that, that and things was, like that that was the problem with that spurs game um in eighteen nineteen because guardiola looked at the at the fixture list and by that stage, City were one point ahead of Liverpool in the title race, and he looked at it and said, "There's 15 games left. We have, to, you know, of all of them, the only one we can afford to lose is that first leg against Spurs. As long as we don't lose it too badly." And he rotated his team, and lo and behold, they lost that first leg, and it put them in a bad place for the second leg. And like, if he if he played his strongest team, and they then hadn't won at Crystal Palace the the the, the week after the weekend after, they wouldn't have won the league. So there's there's so there's so much to play in. There's so many different kind of uh, like troublesome teams to play against in the Premier League that you don't have in in, in La Liga in the Bundesliga, like you say. I think I think quarterfinals. I, I think the the way that this season is compacted, it, it doesn't favor. I think a Premier League side in in the Champions League again. It's just it's Quart- not quarterfinals would be bang average for City though. So I'll take that. <laughs> Uh, who do you think will be the best player for your club this season? Is this kind of a, a layup of a question as well? <laughs> it's a standard script question. I know, I know. Uh, um, it's difficult to say because if if Messi arrives, then you if you it's a brave man who doesn't say that Messi is the strongest player. Um, but I think let's let's just let's take the squad as it is now, um, and I think the the biggest, most influential player for City uh, in 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 the coming season is, is going to be Kevin De Bruyne. Um, he, his, his, his vision and his passing have, have opened up games in ways that I've never thought possible before. Um, and he seems almost on a one man mission to, to prove his critics wrong. Uh, and his critics kind of, uh, 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 most of them feel like they've been proven wrong anyway already. Uh, and he doesn't feel, it's almost as if he still, he still feels like he's got a point to prove in England. Um, 
And it's, you know, I wonder now if he always seems to turn it on against Chelsea because it's, again, his former club. Um, I, I wonder now if he'll turn it on against Spurs every time because he's uh, he's facing Mourinho and his former manager that didn't uh, didn't think too much of him. Uh, I, I think De Bruyne just makes sense. Yep. He's absolutely one of the you know on his day the best or one of the you know top three players in the Premier League. So yeah, that, that very very easy to answer question uh, with the asterisks of Brandon. If Messi comes in, it it changes the whole <laughs> the whole equation. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to to slate us for not having said Messi at this point because obviously <laughs> uh, he's an alien. Uh, where do you think Chelsea will finish? Flip the script on you a little bit on this one, David. Yeah, um, I my gut instinct says third for Chelsea this season so far. Um, I, I don't know if that's just me uh, hoping that United fall apart um, and slip straight out of the top four. Um, they are... As it stands, I think a comedy club that have somehow managed to to fool everybody into where they are. Uh, they've got a walking, talking version of the 1999 treble winners DVD in charge of the uh, of managing the team. Um, they are somehow uh, somehow they were awful last season and they beat City three times. I I, I don't understand how it works. Um, feel you, so feel you, bro. I, I just. I just uh, <laughs> I didn't mean to this to become a slag United bit, but they're crap, aren't they? How have they, how have they done what they've done in the last in the last eighteen months or so? Solskjaer is not a good manager, um, and it shouldn't be working out like it is. Um, so I I, I I just hope Chelsea are in there in third, and uh, and United are sixth where they belong. Yeah, I think we can agree on a lot of that. Obviously, <laughs> uh, we are are baffled beyond belief that they pipped us at the very end. Um, they do just enough, but they don't really do anything to like prove consistency or like actual quality. They just, uh, anyways, um, Spurs aren't reinforcing Arsenal kind of are, if you count William and this young center back, um, I'm worried about Leicester's form as well from, from the back end of last season. Uh huh. So we'll kind of see how it all shakes out. I think that there's, you know, Everton signing James Rodriguez, like there's going to be clubs pushing, Four spots, you know, four, five, six, seven, just like we saw this last season. Uh, and obviously Spurs and Arsenal missed out on that. And that's something that um, they're going to have, to, at least for top four, that this, I think it's, the competition is only going to be there even stronger. So, yeah, uh, I'm glad we've done the business we have because it's we would be in trouble otherwise. And so I'm also going to say third, Dan, uh, final word to you on this one. He's going to say it. Well, I think it's it's second second place. I think City are still gonna win the league this coming season, but I think Liverpool having won, it the hardest thing to do is repeat. And I think that with the signings we made, if we we do end up making a change in goalkeeper, which is uh, I'm gonna say reduces probably at least a minimum of ten goals conceded season <laughs> over season. That uh, you know uh, we have our our equivalent of a, a Claudio Bravo moment right now, where the keeper was a hologram for half the season, and <laughs> uh, so I think that that alone makes us uh, you know you know I, firmly in the top three. I think then you have really City, Liverpool, Chelsea are kind of your top three, and I just I can't see Manchester United getting another double digit 15 16 17 penalties awarded to them this season i think you take that out and they are absolutely fighting to kind of get into that fourth place spot amongst wolves and uh, i think a resurgent arsenal 
All right. Well, look, David, thank you so much again for joining us, uh, host of Blue Moon and Athletics Why Always Us podcast. Uh, it's been a fun recurring thing we've done now for the second season running. So um, we'll try to do some match previews with you this season as well. Um, but best of luck on the content and the season. And Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Dan Dormer, sir, appreciate you getting up early for these things as well. You're a champ. Um, but anyways, we're going to keep the uh, Rivals kind of preview series going uh, until the league starts. So uh, keep an eye out for that, Chelsea fans. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.